This Sunday, uh, you guys get the privilege of hearing from a lady that I am very fond of, but she said that I can't use the adjectives beautiful, gorgeous, any of those cliche things, so I'm just going to invite her up as the woman who makes the amazing meals that my kids don't appreciate. Please welcome my wife, Jess, as she comes to speak and bring the word of God today. Good morning, everyone. How are you doing? We doing good? Good morning. Quiet, quiet. Talk back at me. Talk back at me. Let's warm up. Okay, ready? Okay. All right. Um, let's see. So last week, how many of you joined us at the high school? Yeah. How cool was that? It was cool. I'm, I'm thankful for this building, though. I will say that. I really love this building. I love the sound. I love the lighting. I love how easy it is to move around. It's a great building, so I'm very thankful for it. Um, but last week, Pastor Doug shared, um, I think you guys want to know what's happening right now. Is he in here? No. Pastor Doug and Pastor, oh, Pastor Doug kind of snuck out, but he was going to help in City Kids. But now he's here to watch. Yeah, anyway, he's really awesome, and I love their servant's heart that no matter where the need is, if they're not up here, they're around. They're serving every, every single week. So um, last week, Pastor Doug shared from Ephesians 4.16, and he shared this verse that says, he, uh, Jesus, makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And he said, he told us that the church is healthy when each of us are joined to Christ and we're serving one another. Isn't that true? Um, PD also, Pastor Doug, also challenged us to ask the Holy Spirit what we would give in our time, talents, and treasures as we're going through this all-in season. So this morning, I get to talk to you guys about generosity, which I love. But before we do that, let's pray, because I need it. We all need it. So, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for joining us here this morning. God, we invite you to come in and speak to our hearts. God, speak to us through your word. Speak to us through this message that you've given me. Speak to my heart even as I'm delivering it. God, we just say right now that we're surrendering to your will and your way. God, would you impart something new into us this morning? In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 All right, so generosity is God's character. It's his very character. Um, we see this in a, in a lot of different ways, but I'm only going to highlight three this morning because I could spend probably a series on just the generosity of God, right? Um, one of the ways that we see the generosity of God is when we're reading the Bible, the very first story in the Bible is Jesus, or not Jesus, God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, all of them, three in one, doing the work, but they all create this beautiful planet that we're living on, right? And if you look around, I know today it's gray, but summertime in Washington State is like the best place you'd ever want to be. I'm like, why would you leave in summer? Leave in February. Don't leave in summer, because summer is like the most beautiful time here in Washington. Um, and God has given us like not just one kind of tree or two kinds of trees, but like hundreds of different kinds of trees, hundreds of different kinds of fruit, animals that are 
crazy looking and beautiful looking and all this stuff. It's just abundance. Everywhere you look, there's an abundance of his creation. And so that shows us his heart. And, and even the Bible tells us that this is a dim reflection of what, what is really in his heart to reveal to us. But he knows it would blow our minds. So he kind of dumbs it down for us a little bit. I don't know if you guys watch those. Um, what have we been watching? Bertie Gregory. What's, the, what's it called? Up Close Animals with Birdie Gregory. My kids love um, animal sh- nature shows. We call them nature shows. Um, and they all tell us the world is ending. But beyond that part, the, the nature that they show is pretty amazing. And they were doing this drone shot over these islands. And they looked like Dr. Seuss islands in the middle of this bright blue water. And I was like, that's real? Like, they didn't just... Make it looked like um, what's that show Avatar? It looked like Avatar, like it looked fake, but it's real. And I was like, "Wow, God, you made those too! You're you're you blow my mind. You have all this creativity." Um, so that's one way we know the generosity of God. He could have just given us grass, dandelions, pine tree, other other kind of tree. An apple, he could have just given us an apple, but no, there's mangoes and nectarines and peaches, and they're wonderful. And there's a lot of other things that we don't even know because they don't grow here. But um, So there's the abundance of God. And then another part um, that we see the abundance of God is through the Bible, there's promises, and then there's he makes promises, and then he keeps promises over and over and over again. He makes promises, he keeps promises. He makes promises, he keeps promises. And the type of promises he makes seem outrageous, right? They're just like, hey, I'm going to take you from here, and I'm going to give you all this stuff. And the person that he makes the promise to is like, wow. Like King David, he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you uh, your line be on the throne f- forever. And, and David responds with, who am I? I'm a shepherd kid. I'm the youngest in my family. I have no status. And God says, I'm taking you and I'm putting you here. And so that's the abundance of God. Another promise that he makes in the Bible is he tells Moses that he is going to set the children of Israel free from Egypt, right? And he says, I'm going to take you into a land, and he calls it flowing with milk and honey, which when I was a kid, that that phrase gave me some really weird ideas. I don't know about you. I was like, why would you want honey and milk going down the rivers? Like, that just sounds disgusting to me. (laughs) But anyway, that's not what it meant. It meant an abundant land, right? There's a story. um, He makes the promise in Exodus 3, 8. And then in Numbers 13, 23, there's a story of Moses sending 12 spies out into the land to see if it's good, right? And they come back, and it takes two men carrying a cluster of grapes on a pole. Like, that's how abundant this land was that God was giving them. It wasn't just, oh, cool, it's green like Washington. No, it's green, and it grows giant fruit. And it grows just amazing things. So that's the abundance of God. My last, um, what is it? My last example of God's abundance, and my favorite example of God's abundance is Jesus the Messiah, our Savior. I'm going to read Philippians 2, 5 through 8 to you. It says, Your attitude should be the kind that was shown to us by Jesus Christ, who, though he was God, did not demand and cling to his rights as God, 
but laid aside his mighty power and glory, taking the disguise of a slave and becoming like men. And he humbled himself even further, going so far as to actually die a criminal's death on the cross. Let's just let that sink in for a minute. Jesus, God most high, leaves that glory, that position to come into his creation, to be born into a human body with all of its limitations, all of its stuff. Like we're very, we're very in, you know, in touch with our human bodies, we understand. And he came and he died a criminal's death on a cross for you and for me. That's generous. That's beyond generous. Um, I like Isaiah 53, four through six. It says, he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be made whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. That's a phenomenal trade. It's a phenomenal trade. God made Christ, who never sinned, to be an offering for sin so that we could be made right with God. It's a, it's a, it's a generous trade. Him leaving his throne and coming into our limitations so that he could beat the punishment for our sin. That's our generous God. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah, here's the, best, here's the best part. So Ephesians 2.4 says, But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ Jesus from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. This is the work of a generous God. This is the work of a God of abundance. Because what we deserve is not to be seated with the king of the universe in heavenly places, right? We think... Uh, like a, a regular offer, we think, oh, okay, we're saved from our sin. Like, it's good enough that we're saved from our sin, that we're saved from hell, that we're saved from punishment. Like, that is good enough. But then the abundance of God is to be like, not only am I going to save you from that identity, but now I'm giving you a new identity. And your new identity is son. Your new identity is daughter. Your new position is to sit on my lap and rule with me in heavenly places. I don't get that. Like, I don't, that does not make sense to my brain. Because in my brain, living on this planet where we live, you get what you deserve. And occasionally, you get a little grace, right? Like, that's, that's, 
this world, this dirt world, like mentality. That's how we think. But that's not the mentality of our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords. That's not the mentality of our God. He says, no, I'm going to actually, you have no status right now. I'm going to pick you up out of that and I'm going to bring you and I'm going to let you sit with me and rule and reign with me. Isn't that good? So, so good. Um, Let's see. I was telling the first service. If you're expecting smooth Cameron, it's not me. So if you're expecting, you know, that, it's, it's, you get me. So that's what we're going to do. So um, uh, let's see. Seated us with him in heavenly realms because we're united with Christ Jesus. So that God can point to us in all future generations or all future ages. See, I've got it memorized kind of, and then I put a different one here. So that's how we're going to do it. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and his kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. I don't quite understand everything in this verse. Can I be honest with you? I don't quite understand it. I understand that God is rich in mercy. I understand that he loved me so much that even though I was considered dead in my sin, he took me out of that and he seated me with Christ in heavenly places. I kind of understand that. It's taken a few years. I'm, I'm still marinating on that idea that my, my status is no longer down here, but my status is actually up with him. And not because I did anything, but because I'm trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And it's actually, it's not humble. It's not humble to think, no, 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 I'm just, I'm down here. I'm, it's, that's not humble. It's actually insulting to the spirit of God, because he's like, no, I pulled you out of that. I want you ruling with me. I want to call you son and daughter, and I want you to come from, come to the world as, as that. I want you there. And so I'm, I'm learning. I'm still learning that, just so you know. I still have my days where I'm like, oh, I'm just whatever. And God's like, come on. No, you're not. And I'm like, oh, that's right. I'm not. I'm with you. So if you're there, it's a process and God's working on you and he is more committed to your process than you are. Amen. So, um, but then there's this whole other part and it says, so God can point to us. So we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown us. I don't get that. I'm like, well, what is that going to look like? Anyway, that's food for thought. Let's move on. Okay. Generosity is who God is. It's his character. That's who he is. Sometimes we hear the word generosity and we just immediately think giving. Like I said, hey, I'm going to speak to you on generosity today. And some of you went, oh, she's going to talk about giving. Or maybe you're like, yay, she's going to talk about giving. I don't know. It depends on your background. We'll see. Um, but, but it is giving. But you know what? It's more than giving. It's more than just the physical action of giving to a mission or goal. It's more than just, you know, um, giving to the end of the building so that we can reach kids in our community that need it, even though that's an amazing mission and it's an amazing goal. And I think that it's God-breathed. Generosity is even more than, than giving to that mission or that cause. It's even more than giving to the water wells in Africa that we've been doing. It's even more than that. It's even more than... Um, I, I forgot to mention to you, but out in the foyer, Allison and Cassie worked this week on putting together like, um, like a volunteer board. So 
as many of you know, we're going to three services on um, November 19th, and our service times are, you guys know, 8.30, 10 o'clock, 11.30, I think I almost said 10.30, that would be a really short service, 10 to 10.30. <laughs> anyway, so we're going to three services. We're doing that so that we can make space in our community for more people to hear the gospel, to hear about Jesus, to hear about who he is, so that we can have room in our city kids classroom for more families and more kids to be blessed, right? And what's amazing is that I only, uh, I work, I help Mindy out some, and so I've seen all the city kids lists. There's like 90 volunteers for city kids, guys. 90 of you, or at least 90 slots that maybe some people are double dipping, which I love. I do that. Um, and then there's the ushers team, there's the door greeters team, there's the coffee team. So I want to say God has blessed us, and most things are about 80% full. And I think that that is awesome. But if you're like, man, I still want to get involved, don't worry. There's still room for you. So that's the board that Allison and, and Cassie put together is just showing like what's still open. So you're like, oh, first Sunday, 830 service. I don't really like getting up early, but I think I could do that one time a month. I could fill that slot, you know, something like that. So that's a plug for that. Jen or Cassie will be out there to greet you and talk to you about what's on the board. So if you want to do that, do that. Okay, back into this. Okay. I'll find my spot. Give me a second. Okay. Generosity. Okay. Generosity is more than just giving to a mission or a goal. Generosity is a divine heart attitude. It's a supernatural connection that we have been invited to share with God most high. It's more than just the act of giving. God commands generosity because it's a part of his divine nature. And guess what? Now that we're sons and daughters of God, it's a part of our divine nature. We're no longer down here, remember? We're seated with him in heavenly places. And it's part of our divine nature because it's a part of his divine nature. We get to carry that. It's pretty awesome. All right, I want to read to you Matthew 6, uh, 1 through 4. And Matthew 6 is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, or part of it, because the sermon lasts a few chapters. If you haven't read it recently, I encourage you to read it. If you want to know the heart of Jesus, it's in the Sermon on the Mount. If you want to know how he sees the world, and therefore how we, we should see the world, it's in the Sermon on the Mount. But this part is uh, Matthew 6, verses 1 through 4. Jesus is talking. It would be in red letters if it was in your Bible and you had one of those kind of Bibles. Uh, it says, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose your reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do it as hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and in the streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth. They have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. I wonder what kind of generous rewards God gives out. You ever thought about that? I think some of you know. It's not always monetary. Sometimes there's some freedom that comes on the inside, and we're going to get to that. Matthew 23, 23 says... Uh, there's Jesus talking again. 
he's not as happy in this, in this verse. <laughs> he's talking to the Pharisees, which the Pharisees were the religious leaders that were supposed to be leading the children of Israel into connecting with God. But the reason why Jesus was so upset with them most of the time is because they weren't connecting them with the heart of God. They were more connecting them with rules and religion and things like that. So Jesus talks to them, and he says, What sorrow awaits you, you teachers of religious law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites? For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, faith. Yes, you should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. The tithe isn't really about the tithe. It's about the heart. If you're not familiar with the word tithe, it just means your first 10%. So your first 10% is not about, giving that is not about, it's not about the giving of that. It's about your heart. An offering isn't about an offering. It's about your heart. Generosity forces us or is used to grow our obedience and trust in God. As I was praying about this, I just felt like God kind of revealed to me. He's been working on my heart with this. He's been working on my heart um, with this idea of self-preservation. Self-preservation is kind of a sin sickness in our society today. But self-preservation can hide really easily, especially in our Christian circles, as wisdom. Be like, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm being wise. I'm being wise, you know. I, I like to do this all the time. I like to dress up and be like, no, that's wisdom. I'm being, I'm being careful. I'm being level-headed, you know. When I was growing up, my mom, she was such, my mom's such a good mom. She'd be like, you're a very level-headed girl. And I was like, yes, I am. And all those other people are really dumb. That's why those things happen. So God had to work a little pride in me, right? That's a little bit of pride there. But um, so this self-preservation idea. I don't know all the time when I am slipping into that self-preservation mode. I don't know. Because sometimes I trick myself into thinking I'm just being wise. The only person who knows the motive of my heart really is God, right? And so he knows this about us. He knows that we don't always know how to govern what's going on in the inside of us. And so he's given us tools to kind of scalpel that stuff out. Because, you know, even you, if you were to sit down with, with Pastor Doug or Pastor Cameron or Jimmy, and you would be like, hey, tell me, tell me if my heart's right. They can't. They can't tell you if your heart's right. You could say, well, I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I did this. And I did. They can't tell you if your heart's right. I can't tell you if your heart's right. Only God can tell you if your heart's right. And so he's given us some tools to cut out very precisely the the parts of our thinking and the parts of our motives that are not right. And one of those things, Pastor Doug talked about it last uh, week, is serving. Because he said, uh, Ken Ken Malman shared this in one of the Portland Bible classes. And it says, to know if you are truly a servant... See what comes out of your heart when someone treats you like one. Ouch. Right? Because, like, 
I love serving. Like, I don't know about you, but I hate doing the dishes at my house. I actually don't do the dishes at my house. My son does them and my husband does them. I don't do that. I cook. That's what I do. I make a huge mess in the kitchen. And then <laughs> they clean it up. <laughs> but I make good food. So anyway, um, so when I go to someone else's house, though, I love cleaning their kitchen because I'm serving and I feel great. And they say, oh, thank you so much. You're such a helper and blah, blah, blah. Like, I love that. But at my own house, like, I'm like, man, I don't want to do this. Anyway, so that's it right there, right? That's it right there. See what comes out of your heart when someone doesn't give you the accolades and the praise that you're hoping you're going to get from serving. Because then are you really serving God or are you serving the idea of being a servant. I don't know. So just food for thought. That's one scalpel tool that we can use is serving. Another scalpel tool that we can use to root out things in us that, that don't belong. In our, and the reason why we want these things out is because they're standing in the way of our relationship with God. They're standing in the way of our growth. So that's why God gives us these tools to get these things out because he's like, I care about your heart. I care about your connection with me. So I want to help you get this out. Another one is generosity. Generosity is a physical action that I take with my tangible means, my stuff, my time, my energy, to prove that I trust in an intangible promise. That promise that God is responsible for supplying all my needs according to his riches and his glory. Matthew 6.31 says, So don't think about these things, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? This is another part of his Sermon on the Mount says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. I love this. I don't, I've, I don't want my thoughts dominated by having enough. I don't want my thoughts dominated by these things. I really want my thoughts dominated by the kingdom and his purpose, because that's that's what this brain was made for. This brain was made to be dominated by the thoughts of the king and the kingdom. This brain was not made for worry, doubt, and fear. I don't have to grab, hustle, save, hoard, because I serve a God that sets a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's the kind of God that I serve. There's a deep heart connection that God wants to make with you and with this generation and generosity is the key. There's a deep heart connection that God wants to make with you, and generosity is the key. We often, we come here, we come here, right, because we want to grow in our closeness with God. Maybe you got dragged here. I'm sorry. There is coffee. But we mostly, we come here every week because we want to grow in our closeness with God, and generosity is a part, vital part of that growth. The offering isn't about the offering. It's about the heart, right? It's about the heart. Generosity is a divine, uh, sorry, is an invitation from God to take part in his divine nature. Generosity is an intrinsic part of who he is. Therefore, generosity is an intrinsic part of who we are, who I am, who you are, because you're sons, you're daughters of God. You get to display that nature. Can I encourage you that Jesus is more committed to your transformation than you are? Aren't you thankful for that? 
<laughs> I'm so thankful for that. Because, man, I get a couple days where I'm like, yeah. And then you get tired and you're like, I don't even know if I want to learn anymore because my brain hurts and my heart hurts and, and there's just too many thoughts changing. I don't know. Am I the only one? Am I the only one? Okay. But God is so good. He is more committed to your transformation than you are. And I told the first service this morning, it's like a fun dad. Jimmy's a fun dad. He's a really fun dad. He's sometimes so fun. I'm like, stop being so fun because it's really hurting my ears because he chases the kids around the house and it's super high pitched. So, but he's very, very fun. And a fun dad knows that jumping off the side of the pool into the pool is super fun for kids, right? Like it's a really great time for kids. Now, if you have a two or three year old that's a little bit more careful in their personality, some just go for it, right? Like we all have those. And you're like, Lord, help us when they become teenagers. And then, and then you have the ones that are a little bit more careful. So my daughter, my parents have a, like a dock and she's like, okay, I'm going to jump in the water. I'm going to jump in the water. I'm going to, I'm going to jump in the water. I'm going to do it later. I'm going to, I'm going to have a snack and then and come back. I'm going to jump in the water. And then she'll like barely like, I got wet. Yay. And we're like, okay. But you know, a good dad is not going to let his kids settle for a little toe dip when he knows that after they jump off and they experience the joy of jumping and being caught and getting back out, they're going to want to do it again, right? So a good dad is going to sit there on the corner, hold their little hands and be like, come on, just jump off, just jump off. And you barely dunk them in the water and they go, yay! And then, and then you can't keep them off the side of the pool, right? They just keep jumping and jumping. God is a good dad, he knows that generosity is fun because he gets a kick out of it. He enjoys it. And so he's like, he's committed to this process with you. He might ask you for a little thing. He might ask you for you. It seems like a really big thing. For him, it's a little thing. And he's like, this is baby steps. It's okay. He, he's going to hold your hands. You know what I mean? Because he, he's not looking to smack you upside of the head. I don't know, maybe some of you. Sometimes he's done that to me. But always in love, right? Always in love. So he's going to hold your hands. He's going to say, come on, jump in, because he knows it's going to be fun for you. So, all right. In closing, how do I grow in generosity? The first thing we need to do is watch the master. We need to watch the master. Read the word. Look at the promises of God. Look at over and over and over again, the Old Testament is a track record of God's faithfulness. He's faithful. He makes promises to people, and then he fulfills those promises. He makes promises, and then he abundantly fulfills those promises. He makes promises, and then he abundantly fulfills those promises. And you know what? He's making promises to us today. Ask him, God, what are your promises for my life? You were born, you were placed on this earth for such a time as this. God wants you to live an adventurous life with him. So ask him. Ask him, God, what are you promising me? And then walk in that. Okay. Uh, second, exercise your generosity muscle. I don't know why I said that, but just think of it like that. Okay. So... We exercise our generosity muscle by asking God, what does he want? Like PD, uh, Pastor Doug, um, asked us to ask the Holy Spirit. We're not, we're not coercing. 
Like, that's not the heart of this church is that you guys would feel like your arms are twisted and then, okay, I'll serve on a Sunday. Or, okay, fine, I'll serve with the kids or whatever. That's not the heart of this church. I don't want you back there, honestly. I don't want you back there with my kids if you don't want to be back there. Just just saying. So, because <laughs> my kids are back there and I want them to think church is fun. So, go back there if you want to be fun. Anyway, um, so it's not about, uh, what was I saying? Exercise your generosity muscle. Ah, ask the Holy Spirit what he wants you to do and then do that thing. Because God's going to put in your hand, God's given you gifts and talents and abilities and time and treasures for you to use, for you to do something with. And he's not asking you to give more than you have. He's not asking you to, to do something that, that you don't have the capability to do. He's just asking you for the thing that's in your hand. Will you give that to me? Will you exercise with that? And so I have here, ask, obey, and then do it quickly. The reason why you want to do it quickly is because God wants to connect with you now. Some people wait to start giving, um, even like tithing or whatever, until like they meet this magic number in the bank or something. Um, The problem with that is God wants to connect with you now, not three years from now when you feel like your finances are in a better place. He wants to connect with you right now. You're going to miss out on three years of that that growth and that connection because you are waiting to do it in your own strength. Don't do that. Okay, moving on. I, I like how Pastor Doug, he'll go like, just a thought, moving on. So just a thought, moving on. Um, okay, and then lastly, enjoy the journey. This life with God is a journey. Generosity is a journey. I'm more generous now than I was 10 years ago. And God's still working on my heart. Honestly, the weird thing that he's working on me with right now, I don't want to tell you guys. Yeah, I do. Um, is like giving my kids the best piece of pie when I cut up the pie for us to eat. That's me, like, it's because it's working on my heart. Again, it's not about the gift. It's not about the stinking piece of pie. It's about my heart when I'm giving it, okay? And so, um, so that's something. But I, let's see. I want to tell you guys about, yes, I do. I, as I was preparing for this message, I was talking with my husband, and we went through all of the times where God, like, spoke to us and he said, I want you to give this much to this thing because he's done that before. And we asked him to, we said, God, we want to grow in generosity. We want to be more like you. We see that this is your heart. So will you tell us what you want us to do? And so he does and he has. And every single time he said, give this at this time to this thing. And we did it. He, it's like a game to him. It's like a game to God because he's generous and then he sees us being generous and he's like, cool, I'm going to give more. Like, and I, I didn't, I want to share that with you because I want you guys to know the heart of God. But at the same time, I don't want to share it in a way that's like give to get because that's not what we do. This is not a, this is not a, you know, the prosperity gospel thing, um, The prosperity gospel is true as far as God is generous and he gives. The prosperity gospel has kind of pushed it to to the limit, if that makes sense, those of you that are tracking with me. But um, so God is generous. There's not been one time where he's asked us to give and he hasn't blessed us 
twice over, sometimes mostly monetarily, those are the ones I'm thinking about, but also other times when we, he asked us to give and then something we were praying about, there was a breakthrough in that thing that we were praying about. So there's, and it's because it's a heart exercise, right? It's a heart exercise of God. I'm not going to be obsessed with self-preservation, but I'm going to trust you with my future. So um, let's see. Can't outgive God. If he can get it through you, he'll get it to you. That's so true over and over again. I'm going to have you guys stand up. We're going to close this service with, lastly, how do I connect with God? Because that's the most important thing, right? How do I connect with God? Romans 10.9 says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Earlier this morning during worship, Pastor Cameron was sharing with us those scriptures of just how we believe in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. It's not about what I can do. It's not about what I can give. It's not about him saving me so that I can work for him. It's the fact that he is a generous God. He did everything that we could possibly need to come into a relationship with him. He extended the bridge. And now you and I, we have the opportunity to respond and say, yes, Lord, I want to follow you. Yes, Lord, I want to come into a relationship with you. I want to be considered your daughter. I want to be considered your son. And that's the privilege that we get to have all because of what Jesus has already done. Because he's a generous God. Amen. Amen. So we're going to just close our eyes, bow our heads. And um, I want to ask, I want to give you the opportunity. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus yet, and you want to step towards him and say, yes, God, I see that you've already come to me. You've already paid the price for my sin. You already left heaven and your throne in heaven. You came down and sacrificed yourself for me. And I'm saying yes to you. If that's you this morning, you want to say yes to God. Can you just show me by raising your hand so we can pray together? If you want to say yes to God, just raise your hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. That's awesome. Anybody else? I see four so far. I see that hand. Oh, thank. Can we give God a big hand clap right now? <laughs> thank you, Jesus. All right. So what we're going to do is, as a group, we're going to pray this prayer. And it's not a magic prayer because it's just if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We're going to pray these words. And if you pray these words in faith, that's it. God's, on your, God's in you, around you, all over you, and you're his kid. So let's go ahead and pray these things together. Dear Jesus, I choose to trust you with my whole life. I realize that you and only you can save me from my sin. Jesus, I need you. I invite you to be the Lord of my life. I believe that you took all my sin to the cross and you defeated it when you rose from the grave. Thank you, Jesus. Today, I am a new creation. The old life is gone. 
My new life in Jesus starts right now. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. God, we worship you. I'd like to invite our altar team to come up to the front and be here available. If you need prayer for anything, or if you gave your life to Christ this morning and you want to pray with somebody, come on up. We're going to um, have some people here to pray with you. We're all going to worship as we do that. So let's just jump back into worship right now.